attention architects, and creative minds. Get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. Context and Clarity has been called a community-based pro-practice masterclass for architects. It's awfully high praise, but since we began this journey back in April of 2020, we've certainly grown into a community of small firm architects, all focused on what matters most to their success. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm that's dreaming of going out on your own, or you've owned your own firm for 26 years. There's something here for everyone. And that's where you come in. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Context and Clarity Podcast. Every week, we have a conversation with an expert or a thought leader on things that matter most to the success of architects just like you. Then we go backstage with someone from our community and we talk about what we learned, what our biggest takeaways were, and how we're going to apply what we heard to our own businesses. In this episode, we talked to Amanda Hennessy. She's the founder of Boston Public Speaking and San Diego Public Speaking. She's part of the team at San Diego Women's Week, and she's the author of Your Guide to Public Speaking. Build your confidence, find your voice, and inspire your audience. Since Amanda is both a voice coach and a speaking coach, and those are a couple of skills that are near and dear to my heart and my bank account, I was selfishly looking forward to learning whatever I could from her in this conversation. And I have to say, she didn't disappoint. In between sharing some really solid mindsets to settle your nerves and calm your mind, to techniques for engaging your audience in live and virtual settings, Amanda was nothing short of entertaining. Oh, and you need to watch the video to check out her pink background. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed the live conversation with Amanda. And for this episode, our backstage guest, is Boston, Massachusetts architect, Isra Banks. She's the founder of Trivec Architects and also adjunct faculty at Boston Architectural College. 
I'm curious to hear their takeaways. So let's go backstage and listen in as my co-host Catherine McPhail, Isra, and I talk about our conversation with Amanda Hennessy. I thought that uh, that conversation with Amanda uh, was fantastic. It was fun. She's funny. Uh, she's obviously very animated. She's got mm-hmm. the acting sparkly. background. Spar- sparkly. Sparkly, yes. Yes, I've, I've learned that I need to be a flower and open my petals and, <laughs> and be sparkly. Well, I thought that was a lovely um, suggestion. So you can imagine yourself being this beautiful thing that people are going to get some good information from or get something from as the audience and you get to be a beautiful flower on top of it. Yeah. I I thought that was a good analogy. Uh, You know, it's again, a lot of people, I I think, you know, as we've gone through this week, we've talked a lot about public speaking and a lot of people don't like the idea. They're nervous, whatever. And that's because we make it about us. But if you are that flower that's there, you know, for the pollinators, for the bees and the butterflies and things like that. It's a great analogy. Um, hey, I'm j- I am just here to uh, be of service to the people in the audience. Um, yeah, I get that. When when I first started teaching, I I was especially like there was a shift from twenty students to forty five students, and I was probably nervous and terrified, especially the first time. And I, th- I remember one time I'm, t- I'm telling my students, my name is Richard Banks and I'm nervous because, <laughs> and the students, the students laugh. But um, later on with practice, uh, I started shifting uh, my focus from I'm being in a classroom to those are my students. I need to get to know them. I need to learn learn their names I need to know as much and memorize as much as I can about them and know them as people before we move to the next uh, session and um, eventually yeah it, I think uh, I think it, it it shifted a lot and I did not get I did not get training in that um, at the beginning but later on, uh, the school provided some training and kind of it's different, more focused for me about like uh, how the students focus as parents, uh, their, their, um, how they're taking information, how much words you're saying in a minute. Uh, but, um, basically it's very similar. I, I see Amanda have used uh, storytelling. She shifted her energy and body language from like changed her voice, uh, interacted with uh, the people. And so, yeah, I think, uh, notice her belly, which is good. Um, you know, break icebreaker. Yeah. Uh, I also like, uh, her focus on mindset. I know I've led and taught so many different things and sometimes there's huge attendance and sometimes it's small. And I just, what I really try to get into is a sense of like, I'm just going to trust this, that this is, this experience is what it needs to be for the participants. Sure. As a coach, if my programs are more filled, then yeah, I make more cash, but I, I think life is bigger than that. And I think 
sometimes when I have like a really intimate group, I'm like, this is what these people needed. They needed something to feel really safe to have that transformative experience or that audience. Yes, we needed it to feel intimate. That was going to serve the people in the room. Or like, it's really big, great. The group energy is what's needed for these particular people. Great. Like it can all be good. Yes, we may have expectations. And then it's like, oh, only three people showed up. But three people showed up. And like, how can we have a great time with them? Because like then they showed up and then you're like, oh no. All right, I guess I'll do it. And you're bringing this energy. And they're like, oh, wow, she doesn't seem good. I'm not telling any of my friends about this, right? I'm going to, this is lame. So like, we just want to keep being like, I'm psyched to be here for, for whoever's here. Like be the flower, let the audience be the butterfly and the bees, let them circle around. You just keep being gorgeous. It made me think because, you know, we went to architecture school, right? And mm -hmm. you go through architecture school and you present projects, you have your critiques, you know, your juries and things like that, that you're presenting for. And I think about that. And I think a lot of people assume then that people come out of architecture school and they're good at presenting. But my question is, did you get any training? Did either of you get any training in architecture school about how to present? I didn't. Um, we were just sort of thrown into it and, and forced to figure it out, I guess. Did did you get any training? A 15-minute presentation about don't read from a paper, uh, keep eye contact, or rehearse. I know I mentioned this a lot, but um, there was this class when I was in grad school that was called um, Facing Your Image, and there was a, this was, you know, before cell phones or anything like that, so it was like a video camera on top of the TV monitor, and we had to stand in front of the class while we watched ourselves talk about presenting whatever subject we were supposed to be talking about. Yeah. And it was horrible. I cried a lot of times in that class. I could not, it was just awful. So I'm really kind of interested in the um, mindset stuff that she was talking about. Like I released the need to prove my worth and my unique point of view is valuable and, and those things because um, yeah, I mean, even though it seems maybe kind of silly, just telling yourself all the time, like she said, whenever you get up at work, just take a look at your affirmations. How are we thinking about an experience as we prepare for it and do the work to gather our data, our information, our graphics and rehearse? Because if my agenda underneath it all is from a fear-based place, then this is going to be a beautifully fearful experience. And if it's from more of a place of service and creating something new that's good for the world making a difference in some way, advocating for someone or something. Uh, I think that's that, that sense of purpose is going to give us more courage. And so here are a few of my faves, uh, a little mantra. So, so here are a few mantras that I think can be helpful. Uh, it's okay. If I'm nervous, accepting how I feel is better than fighting how I feel. Because if you think about where, you know, we're going out to, to speak about something we care about, we're taking a risk, right? Or we're coming forward. Do we need to beat ourselves up for having nerves? Does that help us be courageous? No, we need to do all we can to get in a sweet spot. I think of that self-acceptance. We need to be before we do. And so with that, another mantra I love is I release the need to 
prove my worth. Now, you might want to prove that your building will stand. <laughs> you might want to prove that the, the town council should approve your plans. You may have to prove those things, but do you need to prove that you have a right to exist or prove that you have self-worth? Let's, let's not have the talk be about that. Let's really keep it what it ideally is about. So that, that sense of I'm, I'm making this about sharing my point of view. Like another mantra I love is my unique point of view is valuable. And I'd say for any of the listeners out there, whether they're live or listening to this um, through a podcast, I would say sit and, and see how your body reacts to the thoughts you're having. Because your body will tell you if it likes them or not. And I like to think about Marie Kondo, that sense of like, what sparks joy? Like what outfit sparks joy? We, we're very choosy about our clothing. If we can be choosing, okay, what thought is going to really help my, my body, my nervous system, and my thinking, let's, let's wear that thought. Let's keep thinking that thought. I'm excited to make a difference, right? It, or I'm excited to be here even. Like I want to be here. It's, it's hard to remember that the reason why they're asking you to speak at something is because you need to give them some information and it's not about you really. In general, you're at the front of the room in whatever stage setting there is because someone wants to know the information that you have. So they're, they want you to be there. So hope, hopefully that helps, you know, that minds keeping that in mind can help with the mindset of, you know, the self-worth kind of, kind of thoughts. There's the other, the other part of that is people made an effort to get there to hear you. It, it may simply have been walking down the hall or it may have been traveling across the country or around the world or across your state or whatever, mm -hmm. but people made an effort to come and hear you. So you're definitely worth it. You're worth yeah. the, worth the effort that they made. Yeah. And, and the part where she was talking about how if only three people show up to your talk, like don't tell yourself nobody showed up because these three people showed up. And so just give everything you have to those three people. And I thought that was pretty good um, advice on that one. I, I actually had that situation one time. It was four people. It wasn't three people. But I was um, hired to speak at a conference by an association. And they flew me to... Um, Norfolk, Virginia to speak at this conference. And, you know, they talked up how many people would be there and, you know, all of this and how excited they were and all of this. And this was a breakout. It wasn't, it wasn't a keynote. There were four people in the room and there's a, that part of me that said, first of all, this is part of this is business development for me. So some of you that, that speak, it's because of business development. And that was the case for me. And so part of me is like, oh my gosh, there's only four people in the room. This isn't a real great business development swing here. And then to find out that really none of the people in, in the room were my ideal client. So, you know, so then it starts spiraling down, but then to have to back out and say, but there's a reason that they're here. There's a reason that they're here and somebody needs to hear this. I don't know what it is and I don't know why, but I need to bring it. And that, and that, that was one of those, those points for me 
that really sort of solidified it's in a way it's easy in that situation to get up in front of a hundred people or 400 or 4,000 people. But when it's four people, I think it's even more important. There's somebody, there's a reason that I'm here. There's a reason that somebody needs to hear this and I've got to bring it just like there's 4,000 people in the rooms. That, That was a, that was a bit of a test, but, um, but I, I think just a, a testimonial to why it's important that we that we give it our best and that we get better, um, you know, wherever we are. You can be a good speaker. You still get better um, because there's, there's somebody depending on you when you're up there for some reason. And we don't have to know what it is, I don't think, what that reason is. Like uh, Jeff was saying, four people showed up. And I was thinking that I would take it as an opportunity to lead a more intimate session and uh, get to know the people more and get to know more about them rather than having a larger crowd where we're just seeing faces and reactions. And um, yeah, I think that would that would uh, be an opportunity. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good approach to it. Yeah, it's, um, who was Elizabeth asked about being more, um, interactive or engaging, I think. And and I, I really think that's the key. I mean, you don't necessarily want to question and answer with a huge crowd of, of people, but, um, maybe this is a, a, a sick way to think about it, but it, but be a puppet master, you know, can you get them to raise their hands or answer a question or something like that to, to really get them drawn into the, into the conversation and, and engaging with it. And you can do that via zoom or teams or whatever you use. And uh, you can do that in an auditorium as well. Make up a story and use one of the audience's names or character. Like, you know, when you, if he was a contractor, you would have, and people would like, what me? <laughs> That's true. That's a good one. I'm going to be teaching a community ed class again. And um, those make me nervous just because people are sitting there staring at me. Some of them look kind of sour, like they're definitely not buying my act or whatever, you know. So I just won't look at those people, but I am going to I'm going to think about um, listen to her book again and think about her tips when it comes to presenting stuff about home renovations. And try to use the names, like you said, Israel. Yeah, I try to use the names of the sports people I'm frightened, the sour ones, but I never did it. I, I wonder how it would work if, like, you find someone who's really <laughs> sour and and not enjoying it and then bring them up on stage or um, use, use them as an example. <laughs> I might sometimes use it for um, the students who, you know, you're doing some weird stuff or laughing or come to the stage. <laughs> oh, but not never use it for like, let's say an angry instructor. <laughs> you know, what, what do you do, right? What do you do when you have those people that aren't necessarily enthused about being there? Um, I, I think I said this the other day, I, I was giving a keynote and about 15 minutes in, someone just said, I mean, this is a whole crowd of people. And someone said out loud to me, 
you know, he's, I don't know, he's 10 rows back or something like that. He said, I don't think what you're talking about has any relevance to, to any of us in the room or something like that. Ouch. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was, I was just stunned and luckily, thankfully somebody that was sitting, you know, maybe 10 or 15 feet to his left disagreed with him and said so out loud. And then an argument broke out, you know, other people, you know, kind of an arguing sort of discussion broke out in the audience. And then I'm standing up there going, first of all, what just happened? Um, and how do I rein this back in? Mm. And, um, you know, to me, it felt like this went on for 15 minutes. It was probably closer to 15 seconds or something, but, um, but what do you do? Right. Other than hope that that, that never happens. Mm. Well, that kind of audience feedback is pretty valuable, Jeff. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I, I don't know if I could, did have the confidence to, but I think a good approach is to bring him up to stage and ask him questions. I think uh, Dale Carnegie uh, give, gives an example of that with a, some, someone who is an inspector who did not know about what he's talking about. And he's inspecting the wood in a lumber factory and um, he's, he's new to his job and um, the, the the guy, the, the business owner, um, tell him that's true, and he keeps getting, he, he keeps asking him questions. I think that was the, was the strategy, put him on the spot and start asking him questions. How do you want it to be? How do you, and, um, and he brings up, you know, code issues and, and eventually he, the guy agrees and apologizes. The inspector agrees that he was wrong and he finds out that he was wrong. But I think that would, um, I don't know if I, <laughs> I that's it just from the book. <laughs> I that think would it would be kind of hard. Uh, uh, yeah, it is. Uh, one of the things that I like to do, I mentioned this the other day, but especially as I hopefully will get back to speaking a lot, um, part of my preparation is watching stand-up comedy because the comics are the best speakers in the world, right? They're, they're funny and they're concise. They're great storytellers and their timing is, is what really sets them apart. And of course they handle hecklers sometimes. And so you can, you can see examples of that, but, uh, that's my encouragement for people that uh, want to get good at speaking is watch, watch comics. Not that you, not for the funny part of it, but the delivery part of it, um, the funny part's the bonus. You know, when you were talking about finding your voice and producing a character and all that, did you see the, um, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Did you watch that show? Mm, that's a great show. And there's that woman who was a comic in that show, uh, who was like the country lady. And then it turns out her, that was a complete. Yep. Yeah. She was. Yes. Season yes. one. And she yeah. was horrible. Sorry. Yes. She's, she's actually really no. horrible. Yeah. I, I know you who you're talking about. They went to her house and she was like this horrible, mean person. And I think that's the danger of making up a character while you're on stage is that if people meet you not on stage, not to say that you're going to be a horrible person, not on stage, but if you're making up a character, like there was this guy and I'm not going to say who he was because, you know, maybe someone will listen, but he would, he was in a band and he pretend he was Scottish. And then I found out he wasn't Scottish. 
I'm like, why are you even pretending? Now I, now I hate you because it's so awkward. And I totally bought into this fake thing that you were doing, which it wasn't that long until I found out it was fake. Yeah. No, I just don't like it when people pretend they're something they're not. So I would never try to be funny because I'm not. Never. Oh, Israel, you are too. <laughs> I, I think to me, and I don't, you know, I'm not an acting coach or a speaking coach, but I think where you draw the line there is, well, f first of all, let me, let me back up half a step because most of the people that you see, even normal people on social media online, you're not really seeing the real them, right? You're, you're getting a curated version of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, who, whoever you pay attention to, whether it's Gary Vaynerchuk, I talk about him a lot. That's true. Uh, Seth Godin, uh, we've had him on Context and Clarity Live. Whoever it is, you're seeing a persona. And I think where you draw the line is, and what, I, what the way that I think of it is, I think your persona, when you're out there speaking, you know, on your video show, on your podcast or whatever, can be an amplification of yourself, can be an amplification of your best qualities, if you want to think about it that way. But your, your Scottish, your fake Scottish guy example is what you don't want it to be, right? I, I think it's, you know, when it becomes inauthentic, you know, to that extreme, I think that's a problem. But when you're amplifying, because, you know, I, I've talked about this a lot, right? For introverts or ambiverts or whatever to get up on stage, you know, I'm, I'm naturally an introvert. To get up on stage in front of a bunch of people, I've got to generate a lot of energy in order to bring the amount of energy that's necessary to, to seem like I'm not a dud, right? That I'm, I'm, you know, I am energetic on stage and I, I, I have some energy and, and some personality and things like that. So I, I think, I think generating that and amplifying that, is that the way I am 24 hours a day? No, not at all. Couldn't be. There's no way I could, I could sustain that, but for an hour or, you know, whatever's necessary for that, it's not inauthentic. It's just bringing, it's just bringing more energy to it. It's just amplifying certain aspects of my personality. That that's where I would draw the line on that. Um, if I tried to, you know, have a Scottish accent, you know, to go with, to run with that example, first of all, that wouldn't work very well, but, no. uh, um, I, I think I, I couldn't go ahead. It just feels bad. I think yeah. Catherine uh, mentioned in Clubhouse yesterday that um, she she she's I I can't say the exact words, but she said she's spontaneous on her podcast because uh, that's who who she is, and if she's gonna change it, that's gonna she's gonna invest more energy probably, and uh, that also resonates with what you just said um, for, for me, what I'm, I'm just very in the beginning of my, you know, my recording journey, but bringing that side of me who cares about people rather than bringing a personality who's funny and sparkly <laughs> like Amanda is much easier or I'm investing less energy into 
just showing that side of me rather than trying to, you know, tell jokes and be funny. Mm. Yeah, like I always want to be, I not always, but there have been times when I wish I could be the kind of person who didn't feel really uncomfortable, like, oh my God, hi, how are you? It's so nice to see you. I haven't seen you so long. How's your brother? Like, ah, I would never do that. It feels so weird. So anyway, I just have to be more like Eeyore, which unfortunately, you know, isn't as friendly. I love Eeyore. Oh, thanks, Jeff. I, I, I think that's a, a good way to put it, though. You know, you're, you have to expend energy no matter what. You have to expend energy on something. So why not expend energy on the things that are authentic, right? And so, you know, whether it's, whether it's um, you know, Catherine, your style of your podcast, which is, that's the style that I'm, I'm much more comfortable in as well. Um, or it's something else. Why would I spend energy trying to be funny? That's come up. We didn't get to talk about that with Amanda so much, but, uh, a lot of people, well, you know, if I, I try to be funny at the beginning or tell a joke, uh, that's great. If you're not funny, if you don't have any good jokes, um, I, I wouldn't spend any energy on that. You know, that, that seems like a waste of energy. Why don't you, why not spend energy on the things that you are good at? Uh, it's not, I don't, I don't think the realm of public speaking is the time to try to do a, a personality makeover or, mm. you know, something like that. I, I think that's just danger zone. I mean, I figure if, you know, if you're just yourself <clears throat> or let's say an enhanced version of yourself, and people don't like you. Well, they don't like you, but you're just being yourself. Whereas if you make up this persona and people don't like you, you're not even being yourself. So, I mean, why are you making up a persona? Imagine having to keep that persona up. Yeah, there yeah. has to be a certain image. Like for me, as soon as I started watching Catherine's TikToks and podcasts, she is a great storyteller. I'm, I'm here for the stories. I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. there it is educational, but the the entertainment in the storytelling part. Um, Thanks. Ezra. I don't know. Jeff has is funny. Is I don't know. <laughs> Jeff is is um is a superstar too. <laughs> no, I'm just an, just an amplification of an AI. This is what. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes when I see you and you're not wearing your Zoom outfit. I am a little thrown because to me, your persona is where like you are right now. So when I see you with a different outfit on, which I get to see sometimes behind the scenes, then I think, does Jeff actually, does he do stuff like sit on the couch and just watch TV? Because I just feel like you are in that box wearing your shirt and just, you know, your, your soothing voice and the whole thing, but maybe you just eat chips on the couch sometimes. And that would be incongruous to me because I don't know you that way. That, that would be pretty unusual, actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. But, but that's, that's a good warning, though. You know, Amanda, for those of you that, that are listening and you weren't able to watch the, the uh, live conversation that we just had, Amanda had that really, really great pink background. And she showed us it was photography paper. Um, and I have this white background that I've had for a couple of years now. 
um, it, it's it's important to remember. Th- this gets into branding, right? This has become my brand. You've got to have the white and the black shirt and and all that, and people notice when you don't. Um, be yeah. careful. Right? Like when you're in your butterscotch background, we know something's wrong. Right, right. The mobile mom's mobile studio. Um, yeah. I was recording a video today for somebody, and it, it was it was just a loom. It was a thank you video. I was just sending them a note, basically. And it's cold. Right? It's cold in Indiana right now, in Massachusetts, where both of you are. Uh, so it's cold down here in the basement. And I've had a, a hoodie on all day and I got ready to record this video. It's just like a minute long. Right. Uh, and I had a hoodie on and I went, Nope, I've got to, I've got to change. I've got to take the hoodie off. I've got to put, uh, my, my black dress shirt on my zoom shirt. If you, if you call it that, because that is what people know and expect. So you've got to be careful. Um, you, you create a, an image, a brand, you know, it may not be an accent. It may be a white background and a black shirt, but people are going to ask, Hey, where's the white background or the black shirt? Or, um, I mean, there've been stories, Erica's sons, uh, Erica Spade's sons didn't recognize me because I didn't have the right shirt on. <laughs> or I was in, in a different setting. You know, they're used to, these are, these are little kids, which is fantastic, but they're little kids. Yeah. You know, so you, something to think about if you're, if you're going to. Yeah. If you're creating a brand, make sure there's something you want to stick with. Yeah. I kinda, exactly. I kind of sometimes think of, I don't know if, if it's me or not, but sometimes think of the presenters who go on stage with very, provocative costumes and do crazy things and I don't know how would that work like but sometimes I'm tempted to <laughs> you know it's a it's an entertaining idea <laughs> well, what would so your yeah, costume be I know <laughs> yeah what would it be <laughs> I feel much more comfortable dressed like a sheep or a bear, something like that. That's not, um, you know, I just feel like that would be okay. I'd be okay with that, but not, not being like, uh, I don't know what, like a dress, like a showgirl. I would never, never, never go out like that. But if I'm an animal and I'm not like looking like, Hey, look at me, I'm trying to be really, um, stunning, I guess, you know, if you're obviously just wearing a rabbit outfit, that's a rabbit outfit's just what it is. Rabbit. Okay. You know, I have to think about this. I don't know. I'll have to think about Flower, that. Why I wouldn't go a out daisy, as a showgirl, but a garden daisy. <laughs> I think it's more like an echinacea because of the. Um, but anyway, we won't get into that. Well, I've never considered dressing as a furry animal. I was kind of comforting having a costume on like that. Hmm. This is this is a real moment of growth here. So I have seen a, another session, the BSA se- session of Amanda Hennessy, and she was wearing the same, or probably different color, but I think they were just same big earrings and um, bracelets. And I think that's also kind of, and the same back pink background. I think that's mm-hmm. sort of a brand or persona. Brand. Yeah. 
well, there's a lot to think about in this, um, you know, her whole book and her presentation today. Yeah, there, there is. And I think, again, I, I said this at the beginning and at the end when we were talking to Amanda, I think it's a really important topic because it's, it's not about going to a conference and speaking necessarily, you know, it could be about your podcast, you know, Catherine, you obviously have a podcast, um, in addition to this one and Israel, you have a video series that you do and, uh, and you teach, uh, and Catherine, you're doing the, the community classes as well. And, um, you know, there are some out there that simply have to go in front of the, the city council or the historic preservation commission or, or the school board or, you know, a couple that you're designing a house for, um, all of this kind of plays into that. And it's how do we, how do we get better at communicating? I, I think it's just bottom line for uh, or sort of baseline for all of this. So I, I appreciate uh, the conversation with Amanda today. It was, it was really entertaining and, and fun and she's got a lot of great tips and I would, I would, um, recommend anybody, especially if you're starting out speaking or, or you're really nervous about it. Her book is called Your Guide to Public Speaking. Build your confidence, find your voice, and inspire your audience. And she does have a lot of great tips in there, um, a lot of great lessons in there uh, to, to help you become a better speaker, whatever, whatever your stage is. So uh, I encourage you to check that out. Well, what did you think? Did you hear something in there that you can use in your practice today? If you were so inspired by this conversation that you'd like to watch the entire Context and Clarity Live episode, head on over to the Entree Architect YouTube channel. There's a playlist there that has all of the full Context and Clarity Live episodes. And if you want more of the Context and Clarity podcast delivered to you every week, give us a thumbs up and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. If you like content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And one last thing before you go. If the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you, join me over on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations, and we take topics like this, and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community and your practice and how you can support those around you. We'll be back here again next week. And in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context is. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? 
Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.